As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portson with you on a Wednesday afternoon. The Blue Jackets have finished their skating for today. Uh, rough night last night. In Detroit, Blue Jackets lose 4-1 to one to the Red Wings. Uh, they're here today getting ready for a Thursday meeting with the New York Islanders in Nationwide Arena. They'd better be ready for that one. Islanders off to a bit of a slow start, but considered uh, among the class of the of the Eastern Conference, certainly the Metro uh, Division. Our guest today is Blue Jackets radio play-by-play voice, Bob McGilligan. We'll get to our conversation with Bob in just a second. A couple of news and notes to get to. Uh, defenseman Zach Wierenski. I did not skate today, Wednesday, uh, but Coach Brad Larson said he was simply taking a maintenance day after playing heavy minutes on Tuesday. Huh, uh, I, um, we'll see. Wierenski did leave Tuesday's game momentarily in Detroit uh, to have x-rays on his hand after gloving a puck, but he did finish the game. So, uh, you know, typically a maintenance day uh, is a rather benign description. Perhaps it's something to do with the hand. Uh, Larson not spreading much light uh, on that one uh, today. So we'll we'll see uh, Thursday when the Blue Jackets gather uh, for an, a morning skate before they play the Islanders, if there will be any lineup changes. Um, boy, there were tons of changes last night. The Blue Jackets had a much different look to them uh, playing the Red Wings. Part of it by Domi's absence, Max Domi, that is. Uh, he's got a fractured rib or ribs and is out for at least a couple of weeks, maybe as long as four weeks. Um so the Blue Jackets shuffled things around last night. Uh, back at it today, they had Jenner still between Lining and Voracek. Roslovic between Nyquist and the rookie Igor Chinikov, who made his debut on Tuesday in Detroit. The third line was from left to right. 
Alexander Texier, Cole Sillinger, Oliver Bjorkstrand. And then the fourth line is the only one that stays uh, intact from the start of the season, left to right, Robinson, Corrali, and Hoffman. Uh, for this uh, practice today with Novorensky, it was Dean Kukin, who moved up to skate with Jake Bean on the top pair. Uh, everything else stays the same. Gavrikov with Boquist and Peak with Harrington. Um, like, as we said, Blue Jackets back at it Thursday against the Islanders. Uh, this conversation with, with Bob McElligot, you know, we've known each other for a long time, so it's less an interview and more of a conversation. Usually Bob is on the other side of the microphone. Uh, he's the one asking the questions. Uh, but this one really becomes a conversation as well as, as all good interviews do. Um, you'll enjoy it, I hope, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back on the other side to wrap it up. Joined now by Blue Jackets Radio play-by-play voice Bob McElligot. Bob, thanks for being with us here on Front Nationwide. Well, thank you, Aaron. It's always a pleasure when I get the invite. I love it. Yeah, you're used to be on the on the other end of this. I know. Most often. I know. It's 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 nice to be the guest and not the host sometimes. Yeah, right. Uh, this way, I can screw things up. <laughs> um, Bob, Blue Jackets start the season with two thrilling wins: eight two over Arizona, two one overtime over Seattle, and then a dud Tuesday in Detroit. Um, I, the game in Detroit was closer than that. It was two to one before empty net goals late. But it really wasn't that close even. Detroit dominated the, the play uh, mostly. Just a quick thought on that game and what needs to change before Thursday versus the Islanders because the Islanders' Metro opponent are coming to town. It's funny because if you look at the three games and the way that they went down, like we were all surprised on opening night. Look, yeah. we, we all know the Arizona Coyotes aren't a good team. Yes. The Arizona Coyotes don't want to be a good team. Correct. They are building for the future. They're going to do it through the draft. They're going to, they've already picked up a lot of picks from other teams. They're going to get more picks, I'm sure, from other teams. Yeah. They have a lot of familiar names on their roster, but a hodgepodge of guys, and most totally. of them are past or prime. Yes. Okay. So, so you knew that they weren't going to be a great team. But to go out and drop eight on them yeah, right. in the first game. And we're talking about a Blue Jackets team that we've become accustomed to seeing struggle to score two goals or three goals in a game over the past five or six years. Right. All of a sudden, eight. Yeah. Holy cow, they can't miss with a shot. Everything's going in. Everything. Yeah. Carter Hutton. <laughs> yeah. Rough Poor, night. Poor guy. Yeah. So everything goes in on opening night. And, you know, you leave that game, you feel really good. And it, you feel good about everything. Um, the Kiv Lennox ceremony. That, yes. that they had that that was you know your emotions went from excitement to sadness yes. back to excitement again yeah they get it all done you walk away from that game i think as a fan and you know even for me i was like man that couldn't have gone any better right perfect now the movie's not over it's only it's only the first one the sequel comes in two days right yeah and the seattle game i was really impressed with the way they played in that game because they had to grind it out completely different style Playing against a team that plays like they've played the past six years. 100%. And they get that done. And now, you know, even, and you know this because we're around every day, and, and you can't, you don't want to buy into a false sense of hope in some ways. I mean, you know that this team is, you know they're good. You know they're going to be better than a lot of people on the outside say. Yeah. But you also know that they're not, you know, they're, they're still building right now. It's two games in. Yeah. And then they go to Detroit. And the first period was, man, they just couldn't, uh, right away, couldn't Oof. do anything right. Yeah. How long did it take 
before they got the first. They went to the first TV almost, timeout without having a, correct, a shot like on 10, goal. Almost 10 minutes in. Right. Yeah. So they can't even get a shot on goal. Corpusalo starts his first game of the year, and he's getting peppered with shots. Yes. And when the first period ends, you think that's terrible. But then the second period comes along. And it's worse. Way worse. Yeah. But yet, when it's all over, it's still 0-0, amazingly. Yeah. Then there's a five-on-three, and you're thinking, well, eventually, now they're going to score on this. Right. And they don't. Right. But then, finally, Detroit gets on the board. It was disappointing, Aaron. Uh, there's no doubt about it because of the way they played the other two games, and then they just got themselves like 2 nothing was a hole, right, in For that sure. game. And uh, then the lines started to get switched around, and you just had that feeling that this isn't the day. Yeah, and you're back, you're back now after just one game like that of, of looking at the lines, at least I am, and saying, nothing makes a lot of sense right now, especially down the middle. Like, I don't know what you do down the middle. Almost, you know you can't hide um, you can't hide their center situation for 82 games. You know that. But it felt like in game three, maybe we're just paying attention to it closer. It felt like game three that was exposed for the first time. And I don't know what Brad Larson – Coach Brad Larson can do now. I don't know what makes sense down the middle. That's a great question because, yeah, we all knew that was the that's the weak spot yeah. on this team. And, you know, Boone Jenner's already come off wing and gone to the middle. Yeah. And he's already gone from what could be perceived as third line to the top line. Correct. Alexander Texier didn't handle that well. And, no. and to me, that is the that's and maybe it's not. I shouldn't just pick on him and say, you know, it's him, it's him, it's him. Maybe it's not a great fit. You know, Jody Shelley says that the way he plays and the way Line A and Voracek play, they slow it down. Texier's a speeded-up guy. He's not a slow-it-down guy at this point. So maybe that's just not a fit. But, you know, once he can't handle that role, yeah. then that changes a lot of stuff, right? A lot, well, right. And then he goes from top-line center to third-line left winger, almost swaps with Jenner. Um, and last night was interesting. I was wondering pregame, and, and Larson didn't want to talk about it, but Chinikov makes his NHL debut, and the spot he's going into the lineup for is for Domi, who was with Sillinger and Jenner. Um, maybe you could keep those guys together, the two rookies, Sillinger, Chinikov, on the same line if you're at home and you get the second change so you can kind of protect them a little bit. There's two schools of thought with this. Um, you have them on one line, it's easier to protect them. Some would say you split them up so you don't have two rookies on one line, but I know coaches who say that makes it harder to protect the rookies if they're on two lines. You can't hide two lines on the road. That's really impossible. But Larson seemed to indicate today, I asked him at point blank, that he wanted to change some other things up too. That's Texier in the in the middle, one can assume. And, and to your thing on Texier, I don't remember a guy to whom more prime opportunities has been given here. Um, frankly, with not a ton of show for it. I think back to last season, and he was to be the starting, the left winger top line before injuries struck there, and he ended up in the middle of the second line, I think. Um, that's not a guy that a lot of teams expecting to win would have on their top line left wing in that situation. And then you come to this year, and he is... And he's between Line A and Voracek, which is, that's prime territory. I don't know what the answer is. Um, but it, this is now another really rich opportunity that he hasn't seized. You just wonder when that light bulb is going to go on for him and grab these opportunities. 
you do wonder that. And I, I've been wondering that a lot, even coming out of camp. And Yes. And here's the difference, in my opinion, for him, is that he was given those prime opportunities, and he could kind of coast with it. Yes. Because who was pushing him? Where was, was there somebody there saying, hey, if you can't get it done, I'm taking your spot? Yeah. Just wasn't the case the last two years. Yeah. Right? I mean, the guy comes over here. Remember, when he came over and he went to Cleveland, he had immediate success. He comes to the National Hockey League. John Tortorella puts him right in the game, and, you know, he, he sticks there. You know, he basically uh, doesn't have to go back to the American League, and, and he gets all these prime opportunities. But there was never anybody kind of pushing him along and saying, you better take a hold of this or I'm coming to get it. And that is one of the big things that has changed in this organization. And I, I see him and Emil Bemstrom really the same way right now. Yeah. It, and Bemstrom doesn't have a chance to, to do anything because he's injured. But you got to prove it night in and night out. And he's that light bulb, somebody better flip the switch, and that somebody's him. He's got to flip the switch because yeah. there are guys that are, are going to be here. Yeah. In that next training camp that he goes through? It's coming. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and a couple things like when he first started playing, um, there was an edge to his game. That edge is just totally—you can't find it right now. Like he doesn't—it doesn't feel to me like he's fully himself as a player because he was always a little chippy, actually. Not an not an agitator. We're not talking Derek Dorsett type guy here, but he was a guy that was hard to play against and would would cause some kerfuffles with his play. That's gone, which makes me wonder. If this is just a little rich for him right now, all of it, the league as a whole. And the other thing, and you'd be perfect to talk about this, um, as a guy who did play-by-play -play in the minor leagues forever, I covered minor league baseball forever. The, you talk to players down there who believe that it's just a matter of time before a door opens up for them. And the one thing I, I learned along the way just watching it is the doors never open up. You have to knock them down. Like you literally have to take someone's job at this level or it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. You have to grab it or it doesn't last very long. And I think some guys struggle with that. I'm here now. I've made it. Instead of really asserting and grabbing. Texier should be one of the drivers of this team. And there are others. It, this is not all on him. Line a was rough last night. Um, lots of guys struggled last night. Not just Cylinder who got benched. But that's the guy. They need that wave to be coming the push to be coming from the older young guys, and you just don't see it right now. No, and that's and I like how you put that, the older young guys. Yeah. Because they moved out, the older guys. Yes, they did. So now it's on the older young guys. 100%. I mean, this, this is the next. You're inheriting this. Yeah. Okay, what are you going to do with it? And you're right about the, you know, the, the best players. When I was in the American Hockey League, the players that disappeared and you never saw again yeah. were the guys that didn't give you any choice. They exactly. just didn't. You know, and then and then there were other guys that I, I remember distinctly, especially in the early years. Guys would get cut late from training camp here, yeah. and uh, they were they were at least under the impression from the management when they left that you're going to be the first one called up, right. and they just right. banked on that. Yeah, and then guess what happened? Somebody else got called up, yeah. and now they're just livid, and they can't figure it out. Well. Uh, if you really look at it, as you were gliding around here figuring this is a done deal, I'm the first guy called up, this guy's been busting his hump. When the call actually comes, guess who's going? Not the guy that's been dogging it since yeah. camp, but the guy that's been trying to create attention. Right. And I, I remember when I did the Clippers, there was a hilarious story of two guys getting cut from the Yankees and 
getting a lunch after their first day in minor league camp and both telling each other that they were told by management that they were going to be the first guy called up. Like, how many guys are they telling this to? Because they're trying everybody. to keep everybody. Because they want to keep everybody hungry. Right. And, and hungry. again, from a management standpoint, I'd do the exact same thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, we really loved what you did. Yep. Just a little bit short Just right now. grinding. Tell you what. Yeah. We know where to find you. And when we need somebody, you're yeah. our guy. Yeah. Which is your biggest concern for this team? Is it their center play? I guess there can be more than these two, but. I'm thinking of these two, their center play or their defense. To me, it's a center play just I because I think with the defense, I, th- I think the problem there is, you know, we, and I've said this a million times, they got two NHL defensemen when they made the trade for Seth Jones. Yeah. But did they get two NHL defensemen that add up to Seth Jones? I don't know. Not at all. Yeah. They're both young. They're both inexperienced. They're both going to get better, but they're not better right now. Yeah. So, I, I think that's a problem right now, obviously. Sure. When you get uh, Boquist and Dean and then, you know, put Andrew Peak in there because I, I really like what he's done, yeah. by the way. Yeah. But he's, he's a rookie, right? So you, you've got those guys. They are going to get better. The center position, how is it going to get better? Like, you, you look at, yeah, Kent Johnson. But he's playing wing at Michigan. I know they feel he's going to be a center here, and, and I hope they're right, and he is going to be. But uh, even if he is, okay, that's that's an answer, but it's not necessarily an answer next year. It's Correct. an answer in two, three years uh, before he gets totally yep. acclimated. Yep. You know, Cole Sillinger, you mentioned in Detroit, first time that we've seen him look like an eighteen-year-old rookie, Correct. quite frankly. And yep. we knew it was going to happen, but yeah. but you know, it, but it again, it awakens you and it says, look, what you're trying to do here is very difficult. Yes. Um, so now you're talking about having two of those guys yeah. next year. And, you know, Corrali is, a, I, I love that signing, you know, and having 100%. him here, veteran guy, defensive zone, face-offs. Um, you know, Roslovic did well last year. I'm, You know, Roslovic, the head-scratcher for me is, everybody thought he was going to get a chance with Line A and Voracek when camp started. He hasn't even sniffed that to this point. No. Not once. And, and Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. They're screaming for someone to play that role. I mean, I asked Lars about it. I think towards the end of training camp, Brad Larson, and his answer is the start of his answer was, "Well, you saw them play last year, right?" Which was essentially that doesn't work. Too offensively inclined, not defensively sound. When you look at that center position, to me, there there are three guys there that, in an ideal setting, probably wouldn't be playing center. Jenner is probably a left wing. Texie, I think, is a winger. 
maybe Ross Levick is a winger. I know lots of scouts who don't think he's a centerman still. And actually, having watched him play center, they're more convinced that he's not a center than they were. So that I feel like that position is really... It's hard not... To, well. So let's get to it this way. What are your expectations for this season? And this is a big question because the other half of it is, if you're a fan and you're trying to measure success, because I think this organization is in this place now, you're trying to measure success in ways other than wins and losses, not just short term. What are your expectations this season? And how do you get through, if you're a fan, how do you find joy in this season, if I may quote Claude Noel? <laughs> I, well, in some ways, I want to say, I don't know if you can. But what I mean by that is you're going to have to look at things like the development of Cole Sillinger. 100%. And Igor Chinikov and Adam Boquist and Jake Bean and Elvis Merzlikens to that you know, to that extent, he's still growing as a goaltender to figure out exactly what he is in this league. Um, but the thing that I do expect, and we saw it in the first two games, it's still a group that's going to play hard. Yeah. Um, there are going to be nights that they are going to be shorthanded on talent to go up against whoever the opponent is, yeah. but they are not going to take a night off. And uh, you know, the Detroit game, nothing just worked yeah. in that one. I you have know, those. Yes. Yeah. There's 82 games. And I tell people this, too, about broadcasting. I'm going to do 82 games. Yeah. I can tell you right now, 10 are going to suck. I just know it. I know when I start, I yeah. can't put a sentence together, yeah. and I, or I, I don't feel good, or there's something else going on, and they are going to suck, and I know it. And I don't like it, Yeah. but in the big picture, 72 are going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? right. so, and, and even 20 of those are going to be really good. Yeah. And 52 of those are going to be good, and then the other ones are just yeah. going to be never you're Never said that. To you're going to lose twenty five. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's really the same way here to me. I, there are some nights it's just going to be like, yeah. oh my gosh, they can't compete. They're never going to compete. Well, that's not true because they're going to come back the next sure. night and they're going to compete and they're going to win. But really, you have to look at it, and it sucks. It sucks because you want to win the Stanley Cup every year. And there, you know what? <laughs> We've seen this team when there's no expectations do things that you're like, really? Yeah. You really? Yeah, yeah. You made the playoffs? How'd you do that? So I'm not saying that they can't. I'm just saying that the more likely scenario is that you want to play well, you want to play hard, you want to keep your identity, your team identity intact, but these young guys have got to develop, and there's going to be more young guys coming that are going to develop, and it's it's got to be a patience process because if you're patient with it, as some of these other big dogs in this division start to age out and some of those stars start to disappear, Pittsburgh-Washington, that's right. You're going up. They're coming down. Yeah. And yep. that's that's really what you have to to look at. You don't nobody likes that right now. But we sit here four years from now and we talk about, hey, remember that conversation that we had? That's what the real ultimate goal is. Right. Yeah. And I I, I don't know what the timeline is. There is no exact timeline on how long it takes to rebuild. You can ask the fine folks of Buffalo that. Um I would not go their no. path. No. <laughs> Or Detroit's path either. I mean, because they just right. like they're they're coming back now, but they held on to those big money Forever. guys for so long, yeah. and then by the time they bottomed out, well, they didn't even get the pick first. So anyway, right. One thing I've been thinking about with the Blue Jackets is the fact that they recognize this is what's needed to be done when they still had pieces to sell off, or or 
commodities to to sell. Seth Jones got a huge return for him. The worst thing you can do is hit rock bottom and then decide to rebuild when you really it's not even a decision at that point. You have no choice at that point. They made the call where they still had some really impressive pieces. And let's be honest, you look at this roster now, this is not a settled by any means roster. There are still some players here that if they have big years could be used uh, in the effort to yet rebuild uh, stronger, better, faster. You think of Line, he's got a contract. He's still an RFA after this season. Gus Nyquist, does he have interest at the trade deadline? You've got to start moving some of these wingers out because they've got a push coming up. Um, and Domi's another guy Domi, on oh, that I list. And when we sure. were talking about center, we didn't talk about him because he's hurt right now yeah. and also because he hasn't shown the ability to play the two-way game yeah. well enough here to play at the center position. Another winger convert to center yeah. or a winger playing center. Um, yeah, I, I feel, though, like by recognizing that, that the bottom was coming and they needed to be proactive about it, I feel like they moved things forward a year. I And the Wierenski extension, the great day they had last year, the first day of the trade, or the draft, sorry, Felt like almost like another year forward to me, the extra picks, right? Next year, they're going to have two more picks. And and that gets me to this point. I, I think if you're a Blue Jackets fan, it's the Cole Sillingers of the world that help you get through this season. You mentioned some of the other guys, Bean, Boakvist. How are they developing? Merzlikens, does he look like a 60-game number one goalie? Does Wierenski look like a number one defenseman, not a guy who even by his own definition existed in Seth Jones's shadows. He now the guy. There's these small small but very important individual performance steps that that you're looking out for. And I wonder I I know that this team is committed to doing what's right for Cole Sillinger. But it's sure easier to sell um future hope if the kid is here playing rather than even Cleveland playing. Mhm. Um, that's why, and I, I don't think they'd keep him here to his own detriment for that reason, but I think that's a really important thing. If he can play here and find success here to have him here as a show to people, just keep looking at 34 and look how much better he's going to be in February than he was in October. Wait till you see this kid March versus February. Those are the incremental steps. And then by next year, he'll be you'll feel much more comfortable putting him in the lineup somewhere. And that's that year of growth. And now Johnson goes through his rookie year next year. Baronkov comes over in a couple of years as well. Uh, and that position, Sillinger, maybe Corrali at the end of his contract, will be maybe the only two guys on this roster that are still in that spot. Um, it's going to be a volatile couple of years here still. Right. And that's what it takes at that position. I mean, you, nobody gives up those number one centermen. No. Um, you know, when Dubois got drafted here and uh, the fact that that worked out as quickly as it did, that was great. I mean, that solved a lot of problems yeah. when it was working, Good right? Uh, no question. But I agree with you about uh, Cole Sillinger. And I, you know, first of all, I do think, and you know how adamant I am about the American Hockey League experience and, and paying yep. your dues and all 100%. that stuff. And, and I know the game's changing and now that's not necessarily the case. I, you know, I love that Chinikov went down to Cleveland for a game and, you know, attitude is everything. We were talking about yep. that that whole thing earlier. Um, he went there with a good attitude. He had one shot. He had a goal. Boom, he's in the NHL lineup next game. But um, so to me, like with Cole Sillinger, uh, yeah, being here is one thing. Um, 
I like the fact that you do have that option of Cleveland if you want to do it because you're still controlling his development. Like when they go to a junior team, you can't touch him. And then okay. that coach has his own plan. And, you know, does that plan match up with your plan? Who knows? Yeah. Can't do anything about it. Right. But, um, but I do agree with you about having him here. And I said this, I, I said this all during the summer. Does it really matter for these top end talent guys to be in the American Hockey League? Because let's be honest, there is a developmental coaching staff here right now. Yeah. I mean, sure. you, you've got Brad Larson. He's coaching the AHL. Teacher. He's a teacher. Yes. Uh, Pascal Vincent, teacher, teacher, yep. uh, Steve McCarthy just yep. comes up. He's been teaching in the American hockey yes. league the last couple of years. You have a development staff here. It's not the John Tortorella, Ken Hitchcock, these guys that are yeah. like, yeah, like, what are we doing here? I don't have time to teach you how to play this position. Yeah. Just do it. Right. You don't have that. You have teachers. So I, I a hundred percent agree with you that, uh, if he can continue to look, he had one bad night. He's going to have more than one bad night. That's the way it is. Yeah. But if he can continue to progress and learn and develop, to me, there's no reason that he can't do that right here all year. Yeah. Now, last night he did not play, I think he played like 17 seconds in the third period. One shift, came out and part of a power play, and that was it. Um, he got benched essentially after a slashing penalty late second. You got to watch this bench and stuff. Exactly. Portsy. Come on, Portsy. <laughs> Does he... I just want to make you feel good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bench. Yeah, I was, I was hilarious how Tortorella took issue with benching. You didn't play him. Like Max Domi last year, game one, you benched yeah, him. I right. did not. Yeah, no, I didn't. I just didn't go to him. Right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Anyway, right. go ahead. Am Sorry. I missing something? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if I like and 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 I, you'd have to step into the mind of Brad Larson. Certainly, this is an NHL coach. I have no idea what it, what it is to be behind the bench making these decisions. But I I don't know that I if this team is not in in win now mode. And you're, to be clear, you're on win every night mode. That bench and those coaches are trying to win every night. But I th I still think you have to take the long approach here. I'm not sure how I feel about him being benched when, quite frankly, there were a lot of candidates for such treatment Tuesday. Your, your thoughts on that, if any? Well, now, yeah, I know what you mean. And I guess the, the first thing that comes to my mind, and this is not in defense of Brad Larson by any means, but maybe in a certain game or in a certain situation, Maybe you make the the assessment that you know what this this just isn't it. This, this isn't the time. I'm going to protect him by not playing him in this game for whatever reason. You know, yeah, there are other candidates, but many of those candidates have been in this league for a long time. Just, yeah. And um, you know, it's if if you sit them down, uh, is it going to change them or is it? Or, well, I I just think maybe there are times, and I hope this is right. I don't know. I. You know, you just say, I don't want to put the kid in this situation tonight. He's yeah. been out there for two periods. It hasn't been good. It's The whole thing is a mess, and I don't want him to get caught up in the mess. Which, to go back to what we were just talking about previously in his development here, the only the only thing is if it would get really bad here, and I don't think it will, but it, but if it was, you know, if you're going to lose a lot, I, I'd want to put those kind of guys in a situation where they might be able to be a winner, you yeah, know, and if that's sure. Cleveland, if they're, you know, if they're playing really well, you want to develop in a winning culture and a winning atmosphere. So maybe to an extent that was some of the thought last night that, Hey, this is not going to be a winning atmosphere tonight. Yeah. I can tell you right now, just the way it is. And, uh, he's struggling. I don't want him to get down on himself. I just want him to sit and watch and he'll be ready to go on Thursday because if you think this is tough against Detroit, yeah. wait till you play the New York Islanders. That's going to be really tough. Yeah, I just wondered 
wonder though if at some point the player needs to experience tough. He does and figure out a, his way through that. He does. I I agree with that too. I but you know maybe the coach is saying in game three you don't need to figure it out yeah. yet in yeah. this one. Yeah. Um. But we're going to figure it out. Maybe he wants him to figure it out at home when he has yeah. that last change. When he can try to get him more favorable matchups and try to put him into a position to have success. Yeah. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But yes, you're you're right. At some point, you you don't just stick around and sit on the bench for a period so yeah. that you can. So you're still here. You got to figure right. it out. And if it if it happens, boy, if, uh, I already I left the rink last night thinking more about him going to Cleveland than I had at any point since seeing the kid right. And then, it, but but up until yesterday, I, everybody I talked to, I'm saying the kid doesn't even look 18. Yeah. Right. He looks like he's ready to play in the league. Right. And then so so this is where we're unfair too. Yep. Like he has one bad night, and a whole bunch of people had bad nights. Yeah. But he has a bad night, and he's the guy that sits on the bench for all of uh, the period except 17 right. seconds, and we're all going, well, maybe he needs to go to Cleveland. <laughs> right? yeah. so, well, my, my thing wasn't so much he looked bad enough Tuesday that he should go to Cleveland. I didn't think he looked any worse than anybody else. Yeah. But if he's not going to play, for if he's going to play nine minutes a night and sit for any stretches at all, hello, Cleveland, because he needs to be playing huge minutes yeah. and, and, and being two-way players. Another thing about him is, and, and we're we're saying Cleveland emphatically, most kids in his situation coming out of Canadian juniors have to go back to the Canadian junior teams. It's a pretty interesting wrinkle for him because he was born in the United States, Columbus, Ohio, to be exact. He was eligible to play in the United States Hockey League last year. Because he played in the USHL last year because of COVID and all of this, the Blue Jackets drafted him technically out of the USHL, so he can go to Cleveland. He can also go back to his junior club. Now, if he if he were to go back to his junior club, and I'm perversely disappointed in this because he was he would go back to Medicine Hat. I was going I was planning to leave that trip in December from Seattle and go to Medicine Hat and spend a few days. Never been to the Hat. I want to go to the Hat. I I've I, never heard anybody say those words in my and, life, and but especially people who have been there. Um, <laughs> but I'd love to go. Um, anyways, I've my sense is that's not going to happen. And I don't mean just because he plays uh, the way he's playing. If he goes to Cleveland, that's one thing. If he needs to go to, to junior, the sense around people I've spoken to that are familiar with the Western Hockey League, his rights would probably be traded before that happened because Medicine Hat is not a great team this year. Um, he may go to, to the Regina Pats where Mike Sillinger also played. Um, and the, the one thing that the Blue Jackets, Yarmo Kekalainen in particular, seems really interested in him experiencing is the World Juniors, which I think, I'm not sure how you handle that if he's here and playing. I don't think they pull him out of the lineup here if he's playing important minutes each night. But if he's in Cleveland, I think you can say for sure he's going to World Juniors. I agree with that, and but I also... You know, if the right thing for him to go, even if he's playing big minutes here, if he's going to be a better player when he comes back after that couple of weeks, yeah. I'm, again, it it's a blow to your team. But you're not, you know, we're we're as we're talking about this whole development situation, it's not the end of the world. I remember when Ryan Johansson first came here and he wanted to go play in the World Juniors, yeah, and they wouldn't let him go play in the World Junior, and he was really mad about it. Yes. Uh, I think about that, and uh, anytime we talk about somebody leaving to go there from here, but. It'll be interesting to watch. I don't know. I, I mean, where I could see this team being at that point, it you know, to me is if if that would be a great experience for him to go and do it. 
If you think that's going to benefit in his development, as we were talking about, this is what it's all about with him. If that's going to make him better, even though it might make you worse for two weeks, yeah. I think you really have to, whether he's playing big minutes here or not, I think you have to consider that. Yeah. The other thing people should be looking at this season is the Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, yeah. Because and they, and they, they stink right now. <laughs> they do. They stink out loud right now. They can't stop anyone. We'll have a new coach there pretty soon. Yeah. Oh my, wouldn't it be something if. Yeah, I thought about that. Yeah. Um, Who's available? Just the, put it that way. Who's available? Thinking ESPN. <laughs> the Blue Jackets have the Blackhawks first round draft pick, provided it's not number one or number two. Right. So, so if, they need to get a little better. Yes. And these are the sort of things. If you are dreading a rebuild, I think one of the ways to look at it is you've already been through a significant portion of the hurt. That was last year, which you didn't see coming. And that's already through you. This may be a difficult year, but this is something this franchise has needed to do for a long time. It's going to hurt. There will be painful nights, uh, but it's really the only way for them to get there. Absolutely. There's no question about it. And I, I've told this story a hundred times. Coming into the first round of the draft last year, I thought this is going to be five years of darkness, Correct. the way this is going. 100%. Because they still had Seth Jones at that point, had no idea what was going on with that. Are they going to be able to deal him? Even at that point, it was like there were only a couple of teams that were interested still. Right. How are you going to pull off a deal when you don't have a lot of teams yes. competing? And Yarmo did it. He pulled off that deal. And then he got everything fell in line on that one day. And you've talked about it. You're, if if everything works out overall, yeah. that's going to be, that day itself could be a documentary. Huge. Yes. Because they got all the guys they wanted. You know, they got uh, oh. Johnson at fifth overall. They got Sillinger with right. that 12th pick. Uh, you know, they, they had the defenseman late in the, in the round there. Yep. They got all the guys they wanted on the very first day. They flipped Cam Atkinson the next day. They bring Voracek back here to get a playmaker for line A. Everything, that was a glorious two-day period. Yeah. But now it's the next step to it. So, um, it, but you're right. It, was, it took it from, as you rightly put it, it, maybe five years of darkness. Right. It took it to three years of struggle, yeah. not not darkness by right. any means. Right. And at some point in here, you're going to start to see the ramp up. Yes. And and I, I'm weird this way. To me, the really fun part of being a sports fan is like, so the, take the Browns, for instance, the Browns last year. When you see them, when you see it happen, and you see it come together for the first time and where it can go. This year, not so much yet with the Browns, but when you're seeing a team develop and mature before your eyes and you start to see the things that the players that people have talked about blooming, um, that can be almost as much fun winning the first time as winning big, which this organization has yet to do. We talk about 2019 in such reverent terms around here. They won one round. They haven't had a run yet, really. Even with all that very talented team of 2019, yeah, they give Boston a push in the second round, sure. They've never made it past the second round of the playoffs. That's the goal. And they had to take a step back to get there. And the reason that, of course, we still talk about that is because of the impact of the first round. Yes. You you took one of the best teams ever to exist, and out. you knocked them out in four games. Yeah. And, and the other thing about that, and this is haunting, and I'm sure it's haunting to every one of those players, they know if they would have gotten through the Boston Bruins yeah. that they were winning the next round. They know it. I know. I feel completely 100% sure that they are 
all the way to the final if they get through that round. Think about that. I've thought about it a lot. I don't want to think about it anymore. It's, yeah. But it's, you know, and it's easier not to think about the further away from it you get. But you're right. It's only been a one-round win. And, um, look, the, the guys that did that did a great job while they were here. Uh, their time had run out. It was time to change the core. Um, yeah. They did that. And, and yeah, as we've talked about this entire time, I think some of the people that they have that are going to be part of that new core, I think it's going to work really, really well. But there is a patience process. Yeah, there's only one way to go through it. Bob McGilligan, thanks for your time as always, my man. Thank you, Porty. It's always great. Appreciate See it. See you at the rink soon. So some interesting sights and insights there from, from Bob McGilligan. We thank him for his time as always. Thank you for listening. Uh, the Blue Jackets, as we said, again, back at it Thursday against the Islanders. And uh, we'll continue to, to be here with all of the news and and uh, the what you expect and some things you don't expect, hopefully. Thanks for listening. Special discount for Front and Nationwide listeners is available at theathletic.com slash front and nationwide. For our producer, Danielle Lehman, uh, thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you again next week. Take care. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.